Labor Day is that day where you relax and take that last little shot of the last rays of summer. And then when September comes, there is, it's a little bit like the kids with the school right there, right? It's kind of like, eh. But there's also, once you get past the eh, there's purpose, meaning, fulfillment. There's things that God wants you to do in your job, in your world, in your life that are going to be, this is the time to reset for that, to, to get going on that, right? So that's what we're doing today. And, and I want to say, like I said, for years, right at this moment, right at January and right in this weekend, it's Labor Day and a lot of people are gone and all that. But the bottom line is, is he's been saying a word for us. How many years has it been? Like five years? You know, at least, right? Where he's been doing things like saying, I'm withdrawing my protection. And then sure enough, it's not just for the season we talk about that. He's been doing that and we're still living in it. Or discipleship's in the toilet, so I'm going to blow up the church. 2008 happened, right? And so he's been doing this amazing thing. And I just need to tell you this because it's got me really excited. Wait till you hear what he's doing now. Because we just got done celebrating 20 years. And I want to tell you, I think that the Lord is giving us a vision for what he's going to do for the next 20 years. So that makes me excited. Uh, who's praying for us? Christina Anderson, that is perfect. Our missionary to the Philippines. There you are. All right. Love you. Uh, yeah, when are you going back? In October? So it's coming up. Um, Roger? There, are we good? I don't think we're on yet. <laughs> you have such a loud, booming voice. I do. Voice. I don't have them. <laughs> Hello. Pray I for the sermon. Pray for another church. Go for it. Okay. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for today, Father. And I thank you that as I come back, Lord, that you just continue to remind me what an amazing church this is and the church family that I belong to, Father. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would just speak through Kurt this morning, Lord God, and that um, it would be you that's flowing through Thank him, you, Father, and that it would uh, that his words, uh, your words through him, Lord God, would just touch us, would guide us, and lead us in what it is that you have for us, Lord. And um, I just continue to lift up the churches in the Philippines, especially Victory Church, Lord, and um, just their heart for discipleship and their heart to reach out, Lord God. And I just pray that the people of the Philippines would just continue to uh, draw closer to you, Lord God, and that they would experience you, the true living God, Lord. And we just praise you and we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And as a body, we continue the prayer and we just say, God, this amazing ministry that Christina is doing with bringing in these kids that have cancer and other, you know, uh, life-threatening diseases, that she just continued to extend not just medical care, not just care for the families, but God love that in these most trying of times yes. that they would find themselves overflowing as they do so beautifully, overflowing with you, that it would comfort and hold everyone tightly. In Jesus' holy and precious name, what a remarkable ministry. Thank you, God. Bless it, anoint it, resource it, and in Jesus' name, let us touch evermore through it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Love you. Okay, so Labor Day, you look back, 
and you look forward. Let's start with the looking back, right? Good summer. We've been here for 20 years. Can I say something? Unbelievable 20-year run. Unbelievable. I have worked in churches. I am around a lot of churches. I'm a supervisor of churches. Church has been my life for four decades now, and I have been closely watching, studying, learning, growing, so on. And I have to tell you, I have never seen a church, I've never seen God do with a church what he's done with Lake Sam, not one time. And that, there's some pretty good churches in that list. Now, I don't compare us, and I don't say that we don't have our problems. We're going to be talking about that in a second. But I want to say, over the course of the last 20 years, particularly the first 10 to 12 to 15 years, the last few years we're going to talk about in a moment, but the bottom line is, is the things that God has done are extraordinary, and we just need to take one moment and recognize that and thank him for it. And, and the reason why is because you got to know what God has done to understand what he's trying to do, right? So I just want you to see something, okay? Um, I think I'm on, but okay, there you go. The marvelous things God has done. The first one is relationships. Let's be clear. Two things. One, if you're a part of a church that's a good church, you're going to build super good relationships that are going to probably last you, most of them, most of your life. That just happens. That's what God does, okay? But let's be clear about something. In the world, too, you can have really strong, good friendships that will last a very long time and are very intimate and very important. God has made us to be relational beings. To be made in his image means, in part, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is to say a social being. So he has made us to want to be in relationships. We're in relationships, whether we know him or not. We're in his image. And God does this amazing thing where he connects you and knits you together, right? But there is another level to that. And that level would be in what is essentially my life's verse. This is the thing that drives me more than any other single thing. Jesus' final prayer, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. You are in me, Father, and I am in you. You can have a relationship with somebody that's incredibly close, but is it as close as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Is that where it gets to? Because I tell you what, when you even begin to taste that with somebody else, a thing that goes beyond what friendships and the way that God made you and that kind of thing, a thing that goes to another place entirely, and here's the way I think about it. I really do, okay? You know, there's... God has made you to be in relationship with certain people. He ordained it since before the foundations of the world. And when you connect with your people, and I do not mean cultural, and I do not mean tribe, I do not mean, I mean you know, the sameness. To, to the contrary, you know me, I'm always pushing for outside of that kind of cultural hom you know, homogeny, right? But when you meet the people that God has ordained you to be with, and he knits you with them, there is a thing that happens that is beyond what can even happen elsewhere because they may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me, but he says in the next verse, he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me to make that happen. That's the paraphrase. I have given them glory, the Holy Spirit, in a way to do a work 
that is extraordinary. And here's what I want to say. And I'm really talking all, in everything I'm saying right here, I'm talking about the first 10 to 12 to 15 years of this church's history. Right now I'm bracketing out the last three or four years for a reason that you're going to see in a second. And here's what I want to say. People who were deeply involved in this church at that point in time, right now, this weekend, even though people have moved way away and no longer go to church here or for whatever reason and all that, they're getting together with those people. When you go on Facebook and you see whose people's friends are, who they're interacting with and who their best friends are, not every time, of course, people are making friends elsewhere and other things good God's doing, but you will see an extraordinarily high level of connection between the people that were here when God did glory. And I'm not saying he's not doing it now, so don't misunderstand me. But I just want to say there was something about relationships that was being done in that period of time that was extraordinary. And I've been a part of several things before, and I'm very close to a lot of people because of that, many of which were God things. College is always one where you make long-term friends, but I was a part of a just fantastic church down in, in uh, Venice, which wasn't a fantastic church, it was fantastic people, which is the same thing here. But I have to say, there still is something different about here. I, I just, I'm just, I could be wrong, but I tell you, I can, I can actually objectively look at things and see this. And so I want to say that that's one of the glorious, marvelous things that God has done in this church is deep relationships. And in fact, as we say, it is who we are, right? One with God and one another that the world may know. When the world sees this kind of connection, it makes them realize that as close as I am, there's still another thing out there to be had. And it causes, because they're made in that image, they're made to want this, it causes them to want that. And this is the thing that I think drives evangelism more than any other single thing. This kind of connection and oneness. So with that in mind, that's one of the things that God has done that's extraordinary here. But worship is another thing. And again, remember I'm bracketing out the last few years and don't worry about that. It's going to all be good, okay? But I just want to do something. If you asked anybody for the first 12 to even 15 years why they came to Lake Sam, half and half. Some would say the word, which I'm thankful for, but the other half would say worship. In fact, what was really funny was if you got a couple, almost always one half of the couple would say, I'm here for the word, and the other half of the couple would say, I'm here for the worship. <laughs> right? I mean, the worship was, I, I, again, I'm not trying to compare us as if we're the only good church or anything stupid like that. That's just an evil spirit, right? What I'm trying to say is I've been around a lot of churches and I've been around a lot of worship and I'm telling you the best times of worship that I've ever seen anywhere. And I've seen really, really good worship. But we saw, we had extraordinary, intimate relationship. Now, let me clear something about what worship is, because this will become important in a moment, okay? There is, worship properly defined is not about musicality. It's not about the excellence of the musicianship. Worship properly defined is about, does it bring you into an intimate moment with God? Most of you will recognize it when I say something like this. When you've been in really phenomenal worship, when it's over, you wake up. You get so lost 
in intimacy with God. You don't know whether it took you. Remember the, remember the chorus days when choruses first started? And you would sing, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my God. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my king. And that was, this was the simplest, dumbest little song you could ever sing. And we would sing it for 45 minutes. At the end of the 45 minute, you wouldn't know if it was 45 minutes or 10 minutes or an hour and a half. It wouldn't, you would have no concept of time because you would just come out of it all of a sudden. You were in God's presence and in God's presence is timeless. And you'd wake up from that timelessness and you'd be like, oh, I got to come back here. Bummer. <laughs> now I want to say we had day after day after day. But let me say something, by the way. When we went to steering teams, I think that that was the best run of worship. It was a little rough start, but, but at one point in time, interestingly, the worship steering team uh, mistook what I said. Because at that point in time, we had six really strong worship leaders when the seventh one was coming in. And I was like, we've got so many worship leaders, we don't want a worship leader to only worship once every six weeks, that's dumb. So why don't you guys start having worship leaders play together? on a team, on a week, so that everybody's playing roughly 50% of the time because they're good at worship and they like doing it. Let's do that. And they misunderstood me to say that I wanted to have two worship leaders that were working out the worship set and everything else. They misunderstood that. Now, yeah, you remember it, because it was painful for them. Yes. But here's what happened. Every single Sunday that I walked into this building, I had to wonder whether or not I was supposed to preach because the presence of God was so strong that I was like, I don't think I should preach. I think I should just do healings or what do we, you know? Now, I got to tell you something, okay? I've done a lot of things wrong in my life, but my biggest regret, I think, at this church, and I would have a few, but my biggest regret, I think, is that I never did that. I thought it was just going to keep going. And I just thought I had plenty of time, and I was just kind of waiting. And then, and then we're going to talk about it in a second. But the bottom line was, is that I really feel poorly that I didn't do that, and I think that God would have done something if I had. And i sorry, I apologize to you. Please forgive me for not allowing something to happen that I think God wanted to do. Okay, we, by the way, have had worship in this church where it was so strong and God's presence was so strong that we just didn't preach. It's happened more than once. I just didn't do it in that season, and I think we had extraordinary worship then. So anyway, there's worship. And again, like I say, if you talk to somebody, this church was known for that. There were people from all over that would say, I hear your worship is phenomenal, okay? And it was. And, and other people would ask us to come and do worship there and so on. Anyway, let's go to the next one, Word. I don't, I don't get to talk about this one very much because, you know, it's me. But you know what's cool about it? It's not me anymore, is it? I think it's better. I don't know what you think, but I know what I think. I think the word has gotten deeper and more relatable. What's always important about the word, it's not that you preach the word well, understanding that I'm going to define that word in a second, because here's what preaching the word well means. Making the word come alive in a way that it becomes completely applicable to your life. So that's changing your life. It's not how well you can do Greek. It's not how well you can exposit. It's how real you can make it to somebody in their heart in a way that helps to become living and alive and change their life. 
That's what the word does. And I got to tell you, since we started going to people from the congregation preaching, and I think it has a lot to do with anytime you hear a pro preaching, the guy's getting paid for it, people discount it. But when you hear somebody that you know has just been sitting next to you for years, and they come up here and give you what is clearly a, an anointed prophetic word from the Lord, that becomes, that's like, well, wow. I need to take that. And I think that the Lord has done in the word because of things like that. And just because if I can say it this way, we are just so incredibly prophetic about what we do with the word here. We do not, it's not bad to schedule and God can be in scheduling, never misunderstand that. But our number one goal, and everybody who's ever preached here knows it, our only goal is, what are you trying to say to us today? Not do I have a good idea, not do I have something that's interesting. What are you trying to say to us? And I'm the instrument for you to get that done, whoever it is is speaking up here. So the word, I think, has been a real strength in this place for, now helps. I got here, there was $4,000 in income, $6,000 in expenses. I went, it took me about two or three months to figure out what the books were, and all of a sudden I saw $100,000 going through the church, just passing through it. What is that? Well, it's Chris Maddox, and what's happening is, is that she has her heart, you know, her ear to the ground, as we say. She has her heart to the ground, and she picks up needs from all kinds of people, in the church, out of the church, everywhere. She picks up what these needs are, and then she knows a lot of people with resources, and God just blesses and anoints, and money comes in that then goes to. Medical bills, housing bills, uh, um, remodelings, you know, cars. Uh, how many cars have we given away over the years? I mean, it's a, it, we're a dealership at this point in time, you know? Uh, just everything. Let's be real about this, okay? I don't know because I haven't been able to do the books, but I know that we're over, well over a million dollars that's just passed through for this. I think we're probably over two. When you add in the number of man hours that people have given to help people move, to help people remodel, to help people fix their yards up, to help people with their medical needs, to help people with meals, to help people with, 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 we are in, if you aggregated that into some sort of monetized amount, we are in the millions and millions of dollars worth of value that we have been pouring out to not just people in this church. The, the truth is, is if I ask people who in this church has been helped, if I'd asked this a year ago, it would have been about 60 to 70% of the church of people who have had some, some substantial helps from us. Like, you know, my mom just died. I don't have any money. I need a plane ticket. Bam, you got a plane ticket, right? Just everything you could imagine. Now, it's different now, and I'm going to explain why in just a second. But the bottom line is, I just want to say our helps ministry has been extraordinary. There's a saying in the world, and it goes like this. If your church disappeared tomorrow, would anybody in the community know? I'm sorry. There's been a group of, I'm just seeing somebody right now. We were gone, and something happened, and it was bad. It's tough. And there's about five people in this church that stepped up in a way that just started pouring man hours into people that needed help. 
that we love that really needed help. And we had zero dollars in the bank and needed thousands. And these five people, I don't know how you got any other work done in your life because of all the work that was being done to help these people that needed help all suddenly. And then we got a Microsoft match for, what was it, 9,000, something like that. So that means it's 18,000 altogether, which goes right into Chris's ministry and what we do. That's what this church is. We've been doing helps in an extraordinary way. I don't even know of another church that has what we have. I know a lot of churches that have a pastor that connects people to the community and gets them to minister. I know a lot of churches that do that. I don't know any church that has on staff a person whose job is to take any need anywhere and resource it. To just do that. That's what, that's what her job title is. That's what we've been doing. And it's not just Chris that does that. There's a whole lot of people that come around her over the years to do these kinds of things. It's an extraordinary thing. So let me not pat us on the back too much. Let me just keep going. Sorry. Um, uh, connection with the community. I just said it. If Lake Sam disappeared, would the community know? You know one way they would know? Just because of the sign out front. You know how many people, I don't know what you guys do when you're trying to describe to people where the church is, but here's all you got to say if they're anywhere near Bellevue. The church with the sign. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. We create a conversation with people. That was the whole goal of that. It worked. People know that we're here. Lots, 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 lots more happened, including, again, because you come here on Sunday and Wednesday and a few other times for some Bible studies and stuff, you just don't understand what this church really is. Because what this church really is, is we have, I think right now, Julie, are you in here, Julie? Well, she probably isn't because she's usually working. I think we have 14 different tenants in the building right now. Now, now let, me, let me redefine the word tenant. Here's what we do. First of all, we have a Russian-speaking church that will meet right after us in this room, and then a Spanish church will meet after them. And then in the chapel over here, we'll have a Korean church that'll meet in about one o'clock, so an hour or two. And then after that, there'll be an Indian church that'll meet there. And then we've just started a Chinese church with Daniel Tian, who some of you will remember was the pastor of the church when we were at so on 72nd campus, and they were doing that. So that's, what is that, five churches, and then there's an Indonesian church that we're trying to figure out too. So that's good. That's getting the word out, right? These are churches that are doing really good work. But then just think about it, you guys. Upstairs is what's called feet, and that is um, for autistic kids. It works with autistic kids and, and their families and so on. Uh, downstairs, there's been a number of different Montessori schools. I think we have two right now, and its, its primary population is Indian. We have a Spanish-speaking Canzione Institute, which is a musical for Spanish-speaking people, and they do music in here, and you come in here on Saturday, and you hear music, man. We had, nobody even knows about this stuff, see, because we can't really talk about it. It's not here anymore, which I'm really bummed about, but it was because of something the government did, which was... Sorry, but dumb. But we had a battered women's counseling government organization in the building so that women that were being battered could find shelter and safety and the things that the government could help them do and so on. We've had the Bellevue Homeschool District in here. We've had, we have all kinds of language schools in here. We have, 
we have, we have, we have. This building is used 24-7. If we disappear, the community knows it. There's a hole left where Lake Sam used to be. Now, I could go on, but I'm not going to. I've already taken more time than I wanted. But I look at that list of things, and I say, that's pretty cool. Just that list. Moreover, I say something about it. And this is the main reason why we're looking at it. Actually, I'm going to do something first. Let's celebrate it, and then we'll go into the reason why this is important. So I'm just going to take a second, okay? Because I'm about to talk about some stuff that isn't so good. What's going on? And it's not, don't, don't worry, okay? And, you know, I mean, there's a good thing at the end of it, a really cool thing. But I just want to do something right now, and that is, I, you build memorials. You build an altar. You, you, you remember. And when your children go by it, you tell them the stories of those things that had happened there. And I want to say... I want us just to take a moment and memorialize this. I'm actually going to do something. Doug, you've been here, a faithful, incredible man of God at this place in a way that is just remarkable. Would you just thank God for all the things that he has done in and with this body for all these years? Would you go give him a thank you? Lord, we thank you for the uniqueness of what you've done with this body. We thank you for the way that you have led us on a journey that has touched this world and has helped us touch each other. We thank you that you've walked every step with us. You've guided us on everything that we've done. You've been with us through every up and down. And we thank you that you will be with us in everything we face in the future. Lord, we don't often stop like this to think about how unique this is that you've created here through us and through your son and we just want to thank you now and we thank you that you've let us be a part of it and we thank you Lord that you have used us to touch the world and we thank you Lord that your promise is true that what we invest in you comes back tenfold Amen. we've seen it in our lives We've seen it in our families. We've seen it in our church. We've seen it in our community. And you will, Lord, continue the good work that you've done here. No matter what we face, we know the future with you has a purpose and has a plan and will be equally as great as we go forward. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Doug, and thank you, God. Having looked back, we're about to look forward. But in order to understand the connection between the two, you've got to look at what is. Lovingly, let me make something very clear. This is an incredible church, and we are still doing things that are amazing in lots of different ways. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about some things that are going on that aren't so great. I'm not doing that to say that the church is a mess. It isn't. It just isn't. But the bottom line is, there are some things that it's an interesting thing to look at because it'll help us understand what he's trying to do now. So let me just take as one example, the building, okay? 
Now watch this. Watch how this works. Because we have hundreds, even thousands on some weeks of people coming in here, because we have 14 different tenants, because we have 24-7 almost usage of the building, it is super hard to keep it clean. <laughs> it's super hard to keep the carpets clean. It's super hard to keep everything up and fixed and right. It's super hard to keep the woman's bathroom right. It's super hard to do a lot of things when you have such heavy usage. But just because a thing is super hard doesn't mean that you're not supposed to be doing it. And I want to say, um, most of you who know me well know something about me. I am so oriented to the spiritual and the heart and the spirit of a thing that the out exterior, the more superficial, the more practical, I just don't care about that very much. Right? So I end up doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing, which is making this place an asset for God. Not just a church place where we can meet and it's empty 80% of the time, but an asset for God in the community making a difference in lives in a remarkable fashion. But then I just miss things. <laughs> and I just don't. And I just, you know, and the carpets get too dirty and the outside of the building gets a little rugged. And, and when you're driving up, I just need to tell you, I, I'm not completely immune to it. There are some times that I drive up and I look at the building and I kind of go, if I were driving up to this building at this point in time, I would say to myself, if it was a new church, I would say, don't they know better? Don't they know what they're communicating by having, and I'm not going to name things because then you'll start looking at them and then they'll bug you like they bug me, okay? But don't they know better? And here's the truth, we do. It's expensive, so we've resourced ourselves in a certain fashion. Remember, on the outreach and income, we've got all those people coming in that don't know the Lord, and that was one of our, the reason why we use the building we do is outreach and income. And the outreach has been phenomenal. Bellevue Symphony, Microsoft Symphony, we've had Clearwire in here. We've, we, we, so many people brought them into a church setting where all they see on TV and movies, if they don't know Christianity, all you hear about is just right wing, oh my God, they're just over the edge, right? But the bottom line is, is that when you come in this building, you meet people that are really lovely and wonderful and trying to help you. And that was the goal, to make people not be scared of church, to think that there was actually nice, good, normal, wonderful people there. Not so normal, because they're so wonderful. But you get my drift. Now the other thing is, let's be clear, it's brought in enough income that we don't spend any money on our mortgage. We don't put money into things like that. Those are worldly things and we let the business take care of the world and we try to care of the spirit. But, but what I'm trying to make an argument for right now is we maybe haven't spent as much time on the stuff that is important in a worldly sense. And that is not unimportant. Remember, Proverbs is a book that is all about the world. Psalms is a book that's all about the spirit. But Proverbs and Psalms are in the center of the Bible for a reason, they're both important. There's value in each that you have to be careful of. You can't let the world become more important than the spirit, but you can't become so spiritual and neglect the world because if you do, it'll beat you up. If you live life without understanding what Proverbs is saying, you're likely not living a very good life. So God gave us a way to live in the world well, but a way to be led by the spirit. 
That's how it works. Well, I just want to say, you know, this room is beautiful, but don't look at the carpet. Don't look at the back of some of the chairs. All of this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into in a second what God's going to do. But I just want us to use the building for a second as a kind of a metaphor. For a really good reason why we did something, but that led to something that had a problem in it. It was still the right spirit, it was still the right heart, it was still the right God. But there was a practical aspect of it that we haven't quite taken care of. Now I'm going to go into some ministries. And I want you to know, we're going to talk about worship right now. And I want you to know, I've talked to every single worship leader privately, personally. And I've talked to the entire worship team completely. Okay? So when I talk about the way that I'm talking about it, this is not new information to them. And I don't want you to be upset for them. Because here's the point. Worship is about the presence of God. And our worship gets you into his presence. Period. We still do in a beautiful way. By the way, the harmonies this morning, who figured that one out? I haven't heard that, and I love that. I don't know what that was, but I was going, wow, that is great. Now, that's musicality, right? But it's helpful to get into the spirit. <laughs> you know, some musicality can help, right? And by the way, musicality can actually hinder you from getting into the spirit, because if you be all about the technique and the professionalism of it, you sometimes don't understand how to be led by the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. You need, your, you need your worship to be at a place to where when you bring a friend or when you're trying to enter into worship. And here, always remember something about worship. I say, it's skiing, right? If you can't ski any pair of skis in a ski shop, you're not a skier. You should be able to ski anything. You should be able to worship to anything. One of my favorite worship leaders had a terrible problem with being on key. But man, that guy knew where the Holy Spirit was. So he couldn't find the key, but he could find God. <laughs> and when he led us into it, it was phenomenal. So he's the one I picked in a church that was filled with 42 studio musicians who could sing on key in their sleep. And he was the guy I picked. Because I felt like we got deeper into the presence of the Lord because of that. So let's always remember what's important about this. But let's remember about something else too. There's two things about a certain level of musicality that is important. One is that it not just be distracting. If somebody sings off key and you're trying to worship the Lord and they sing off key and that's something you care about, always remember something. Some people care about things, like the building look or being on key, and other people don't. Don't even know what's happening, right? But the people that do, it can be distracting. It can jolt you for a second. Right? Oh, well, they didn't quite get that. Okay, now, now I've got to get myself back into his place, right? But there's another thing, too, and this is super important, super important for where I think God's trying to take us. When you bring your friend, they need to be able to say, I'm a musician. What they're doing is good. But it's not just good musically. There's something else in the spirit that I don't get, that I want to be part of. And that's how you bring musicians into a church. Because they feel like they can contribute and get something back out of it again. 
not just do what they do well, but that they're going to get something out of it. Lovingly, and we've talked with everybody, that's not exactly where we are right now. In fact, at this point in time, we have a little trouble filling out three or probably can't even do four different worship teams at this point in time. And I want to say a huge thank you to the musicians that have been overburdened and playing and work, you know, having to work so hard because we're just down from where we were. And, 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 and again, I want to I look at why we got there. Now watch this. Steering teams. Steering teams was God told us back in 2011 that discipleship was in the toilet and that what we needed to do was to restructure everything about how we did church because the pastors, the paid professionals, were growing like crazy in God because they were the ones that were having to find him and then bring what he wanted to bring and raise up people to help them do that and handle the politics of people not getting along together and all this stuff. The pastors were growing like crazy in churches. But people were being, they just weren't that engaged. They were part of a team doing their role and if it was a sunny day, they didn't feel like it was that important and they'd just call and say. And that's not just like Sam, that's everywhere. And so God said, put the weight of ministry onto people because this is where they're going to have to find God now. And they're going to have to try and execute it and realize the problems that come out and how much they have to pray more. And they're going to be in the middle of politics and so on. And like I say, we had an incredible run of, of growth in discipleship that was phenomenal. In fact, let me show you technically what I'm talking about. By the way, remember, this is what happened in worship. And when steering teams took over worship, I'm still arguing that's the best season of worship that I've ever experienced at a church, length of time. But I want to show you something. Okay, this is, this is, by the way, this is all Lake Sam's DNA. I meant to do that, but I forgot, all right? But this is 2011. You can't see that, but down at the very bottom, it says 2011. And we did this test. 2008 is when it crashed, and God had already told us that he was going to uh, blow up church. And sure enough, he did. Money dried up. Everything was different. People had to rethink church and do all kinds of things. Anyway, bottom line, 2011, we took a test because we now God had revealed to us to do steering teams to increase discipleship. So it wasn't steering teams to try and save money. It wasn't steering teams for other reasons. It was strictly this. Steering teams to try and get people into a situation where they would grow more in the Lord. Now, at the beginning of that, we took a test. And we were already a pretty good church at that point in time. So the far right-hand scores, those priority scores are what you're looking at. That's the main score on this. It's very complicated stuff. But the main score, and that number will go up to about 12. And 12 means your house is burning down. Get a hose. Okay? Anything under five meant you really don't have a problem. But if you have to work on something, work on these things. So our highest areas were a three. So that means you're really doing good. That was a really good test. But we wanted to take a snapshot before steering teams and then a snapshot after them. So that's 2011. Now in 2013, oops. 2000, what happened there? 2013, we did it again, two years later, to say, are people growing in the Lord? Now, I want you to go to the right-hand score, priority scores, and then go down there. You see that negative 0.3 and negative 0.5? Usually negatives are bad numbers. You know what they are in this case? Unheard of numbers. What that means is your five biggest problems, 
Three of them are 2.1, 1.9, and 1.2, which means they are really good. If you had those kind of scores in any church, you would say, that's really good. But I want to tell you, two years after we started steering teams, we got two, the next, number four and number five, and then down below that, there were even higher negative numbers. And what that meant was, you are so exceeding people's even thought of what you could do, that there's no way to affect, there's, it's not only not a problem, it's like they're coming in and they didn't even know this needed to happen and it's happening in them and they are thrilled. Now that's cool. In worship, we had, those, we had that incredible season. But here's the deal. There's no church that I know of that was doing this. No church that had turned their ministry over in such a dramatic fashion as we did. And so when you're doing that, you're, you're having to sort of make it up as you go. Do your best, right? I mean, I got a mentor, Dave Cole, to really help me through the management part of it because I knew I wasn't good enough manager and so on. Anyway, the bottom line was is that we got to a place to where we needed some tender care and maintenance of the steering teams, but we didn't know what to do. I want to say something. Now that we've gone through all of it, we do know what to do. But the bottom line is, is at the time, it just got away from us a little bit. We didn't have a pastor. We didn't have a person. We didn't have an expert. We didn't have somebody that was there. Youth went through a similar thing a couple other places. Other, other steering teams are still going, and they're going great. Lake Sam Kids, other things. But see, Lake Sam Kids would be a really good example because Lake Sam Kids steering team is really going well. Why? JJ's there to help make sure that the team keeps running well. Now, you may think of her as a pastor, but really she's a team builder. And it goes well because she builds well. Do you catch the drift here? So we, we, we learned, but we hit a rough patch in the last couple of years where we lost some musicians. Now, let's be clear. The reason why most of the musicians moved away is because you can't live here anymore. Right? The prices, housing prices are such that we just had a lot of people move away and couldn't go. Some people just left. But, you know, when a thing starts to go down, it starts to go down a little bit. And I wouldn't call us down, but I would call us not where we were. And I would also say something about worship, which is, I can tell you right now that the Lord has impressed upon my heart massively in that area and a few others that there are very specific things that we can do that will make an enormous difference and fairly quickly. And so we're going to do them. But that's getting ahead of myself. Let me just take you to one other area. Watch good intentions, good ideas, good things, but it leads to an interesting place that's a little more complicated. Threefolds. Threefolds is three or four people, same sex, getting together and living life with each other. Now, I got to tell you, there's something called accountability groups out in the world, and there are, there are other churches that do a little bit of that, but I don't know anybody that does threefolds, what we do which is three or four people getting together and living life together and being connected. I call it small groups on steroids. The depth that you can get to, the places that you can get, the things that God can do are absolutely extraordinary. At one point in time, 80 to 90% of the people in this church were in a threefold. If I asked for a show of hands right now, we'd be about 50%. What's going on? Even deeper, watch this. There was a thing called men's fraternity that came about about four or five years ago. It was a phenomenally good men's thing. And the way that they wanted you to men's fraternity was every week, 
once a week, seven or six o'clock in the morning, men getting out of bed, showing up, hearing about God, getting into small groups and discussing about these particular things in God, growing in God as men. And then the end game of men's fraternity was essentially threefold. Guys in relationship with a few other guys in a way that they were living life together, holding each other. It's not accountability groups, but, but you know, working on life together. Now, we had a problem. If the end game of, of men's fraternity was threefold, and we were already doing threefolds, and you might not believe this, but it's true, we're very careful about how much we ask people in this church to do. You know why? How many people here work over 60 hours a week? How many people here work way over 40 hours a week? You don't have a lot of time. <laughs> you don't have a lot of extra bandwidth. So we're not going to give you 10 things to do that are going to take 10 or 15 hours of your time per week and then be bummed out that nobody's doing it. We do what good church management says to do. Focus it down into the things that make the most difference and do those. That's what good church management does. But here's what the problem is. We haven't been doing a very good job with men, even though we do a better job than most churches because threefolds is the best men's ministry I've ever seen. But there's another element of men's ministry that's not there, and that is there's a content piece. Living life together grows you. God, the Holy Spirit grows you. But there is content that something like men's fraternity was doing. So we had to make this decision that we couldn't do men's fraternity in a weekly way because that would undermine our threefolds. We'd literally have to tell people, stop going to your threefold to come to men's fraternity so that you can end up in a threefold. <laughs> didn't make any sense, didn't do it. But you see what the cost was. And at this point in time, we're not strong on men's ministry. It's not good. You get it? You see how complicated things can get? You do the right thing and you do them for the right reason and you do it in the right way, but you end up in a situation that isn't what you need it to be. I could go on. I'm not going to anymore. I'm gonna add one more layer onto it before I get to the future and that's this. This is where, this is where the worm, this is where the thing begins to change. Now watch this, this is cool. It's gonna sound bad, but it's cool. Housing prices have gotten so high that there's two groups of people right now that are, we, we lose about a family a week. You, you don't know that, but you do if you've been around for a while. We lost at the end of the school year six in two weeks. To what? It's too expensive to live here and I'm tired of it. <laughs> I can't afford it, it's killing me. And I just am going somewhere else, Joel Hallett. But then the other one is me. <laughs> I'm not house rich, but you know, we're, I'm house rich. So I don't have a lot of money and I'm kind of retiring and I'm kind of want, not wanting to work so hard. And I got a whole lot of money in my house and I can literally go to Arizona or to Wenatchee or to Moses Lake or to the people where people are going, places where people are going. I can buy a really nice home, much nicer than I live in right now for cash, stick a bunch of money in the bank <laughs> and enjoy my life, <laughs> not be in the rat race anymore. So they're doing it, and it's a perfectly wonderful thing to do. Praise God if you can do it, <laughs> right? No problem. 
But look what it's doing. If you look at the families that have left over the last nine months to a year, it's a lot of the pillars in the church. It's a lot of the people who have been with us for 20 years and that God has done extraordinary things with and grown them magnificently. But they're not here now. Now, that had me pretty troubled. But watch what I did with it, because I needed to. I was gone, not the whole month I preached at the beginning of August, but I was gone the rest of August. And when I went, I knew that I had a job to do. And the job that I had to do was to figure out whether or not God was done with me here. It just, it makes me cry just to think about it. I don't want to leave. That wasn't my heart. But I got to tell you, I'm just the steward. And if God has somebody else that he wants to be here, I'm out. Whether I like it or not. Now I assume that God is good and that he will do things that will work out in ways that it would be good. But I had to ask myself a question for the last two, three weeks. And the question was, is we're clearly in an interesting season. We have some, a building and some ministries that are in need of some work. And we have a church that's in need of a thing. And what am I supposed to do? Am I part of this? I've had a really good run for 20 years. Are you done? Is there somebody else you want to come in there? Now, when you're, gonna, when you're gonna have a prayer like that, here's one thing you have to do. Always remember this. You have to get away from the thing that you're in and you have to do it for longer than a couple of days. You have to get away far enough that you're truly disconnected from it so that you can hear God in ways that you cannot when you're in the middle of it. So I had this season, this moment, this month, not quite a month, but a month, where I could think about this and pray about this and really get far enough away and ask the Lord, what am I supposed to do? And I had to be willing to accept whatever he said, trusting him, knowing that whether I liked it or understood what the future was, it didn't matter to me. What mattered was is that I got it right in him. And so I prayed and 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 I prayed. And so much so that about three days before I got here, I took one entire day. And I bet I, you may find this impossible, but I bet I didn't say 100 words the whole day. I finally was like a normal guy. <laughs> because I just didn't want to be distracted from anything but pressing into the Lord about what he was trying to say to me. And I'm telling you, he did, the, he did an incredible thing. He never told me, well, what he didn't do was he, he clearly, he made it very clear. He never said it, but he made it very clear. You're not done. But moreover, what he did was the day after, I went out for a prayer. Some of you saw it on that little post that I did, you know, the post where I was out there, and, and, and Julie's a farm girl, and so this is a picture of me walking in a field, and there's a tractor near it, and Julie wrote to our daughters, you know, and she said, this is the closest I'll ever get to farm equipment. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, but that moment that she captured was when God was just downloading to me what to do. And I was literally holding my phone. You can see it. I'm holding my phone and I'm talking. I'm not even walking anymore because I can't. And I'm just speaking into my phone the things that God wants me to do. Just downloading. 
downloading, downloading, downloading. The profile of this church in October of last year was vibrant. This is the new generation of the reveal thing, and I've talked about it already. This, this study that we did was so high that they said it's the highest we've ever recorded in all the churches that we've studied. We've never seen a church this high. And our archetype was self-motivated. And they said, what are you doing and are you willing to help other pastors that are in need? We stand here not even a, a year later and the church that was a year ago is not the church that's here today. It isn't. Because we're lobsters in a pot where the temperature's getting turned up and we don't feel it, it's hard to see when you're here all the time. But this is not the same church today as it was a year ago. What's he doing? Well, on that walk, he said reset. 20 years. 20 years. I did a full orb, 20 years. And now I want to do 20 more. But it's a new thing. Not totally new. DNA's still there. Relationships, worship, word, right? Helps in the community. It's, the DNA is still there. But here's what he's doing. Think about this for just a second. Okay. Watch the confirmation on this. I call up Justine because she's incredibly important to what we're doing right now and what I think God's wanting to do in the future. And I said, change your plans. We've been thinking about some things, but I said, change your plans. I just want to talk to you. Tell me, what do you think? And then I used the word reset. And she said, wow, Josh and I have been talking about what the church needs and what we've been getting for the last two weeks. The only thing we've been talking about is reset. And then I called up JJ. And I said, JJ, talk to me. You were in the meeting. And I said, JJ, talk to Were you? In the youth meeting? No, you weren't. Sorry. But, but I, I talked to JJ and she said, funny you should mention Reset. We were just in a Lake Sam steering team prayer time where we were, God was saying things to us and people got visions of a wind that was coming through and it was enough to be scary. It was stirring things up. It was getting leaves in the air. It was moving things. So it was enough that it was coming in in a way that was frightening. But God was saying, don't be scared I'm doing it. I'm doing something. I felt pretty confirmed <laughs> that I was on the right track to reset. Shoot, I just forgot. There was a really good point in there. I hope it comes back. Help me, Jesus. Let me just talk about a couple things that we're going to do. We're selling that building out there. It was supposed to close in March. We had a beautiful plan for what to do with the money in March. Now the latest date is September 21st. That's due to Bellevue permitting issues. It's, there's a lot of building in Bellevue, hard to get a permit. That's why we're, but I think God's been in the middle of it. And just recently, I think I finally figured it out. God is saying, I want you to do some things on the building. You don't think about that enough, and I want you to do some things on the building that you need to do. I need you to spruce it up. I need you to just get it. Now, we're not talking Taj Mahal, and we're not talking gold facets, but we are talking 
in a place where you can be proud of the building that you go to. You don't have to be worried about your friend going, why does it look like that? Now, I don't think it's that bad, but it's not that good either. So we're not going to do a ton. And can I say one thing about us? This is the problem. We're just incredibly frugal, even with the business side money. We just don't spend it, you know? We were told it was gonna be $50,000 to put air conditioning in here when we first bought the building, and we just said, we're not gonna do that. And years later, Kelly figured out how to do it for about five. So that we did. That's how we do things around here. We don't do things unless, you know, this building right here, this beautiful room that you're in, this cost about $600,000 to do. We paid about 250, because that's what we had budgeted to put into the room. And I went to the people who designed this room, and I said, you need a showcase room for your incredible ideas that you can bring people to. And for that, throughout the years, they've been bringing people from around the world to come here and look at what they do and so on. Now they have other rooms that they built out of this and so on, so they don't do it as much. But that's how this church works. We are incredibly careful with money, incredibly. Like, we don't do things unless it's, you know, a dime on the dollar. But we need to do a few things, and we're going to figure out how to do it. Let me say something right now. God has provided for us. Mario Vallada is a carpenter par excellence who did high-end lawyer places and everything else downtown. And he is doing missions things right now and was available. And I went to him and I said, Mario, we need a remodel downstairs, start there. But I went to him just recently and I said, I now see that God has a bigger idea and we need to be doing it. And we need to be so rigid about costs, it's ridiculous. We need to just cut every corner that we can cut, but we need to get this thing up to speed. And I said, I can't do it. I don't have the bandwidth, or, nor the talent, nor the skill set, but you've got it all. And would you take on a project to help get us up to speed? And here's what he said to me. You want to tell him? His response to me was, it's about time. <laughs> you know, right? Okay, God's in control. He's going before us and he's resetting things. I called, I had an idea about worship and I called Kevin and I said, Kevin, I have an idea. There's a, there's a girl and a team. God is doing an extraordinary thing with the music that's coming out of the Belarusian church, Light to the World. Extraordinary things. Jan and Julie always talk about it. They say we can't hardly walk past the room without falling down because the worship is just so great. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool, wouldn't God, wouldn't it be just like God to have them help us? We've been helping them all these years. Isn't it supposed to go both ways? Wouldn't it be really cool to bring in, not a new team at all. We're not, you know, right? We're not changing our DNA. By the way, we will never do, what, here's what we call it, Kevin and I, we call it lights and smoke and lights through smoke. Okay, you get a concert thing. We will never do that. If we're having a concert, we'll do it. Because it's fun then, but not for worship. But we're gonna go after the Lord's presence and we're gonna go after upping our musicianship. And there's a girl there who's super, super talented at exactly this and has built much of their worship program. And I called her up and I asked her, would you come help us? And she said, yeah, and by the way, she won't take any money for it, which is good because we don't have any. <laughs> but, but I'm working on that. And then she'll probably, so you're gonna see her next week. And she's gonna just come in and just consult. She's gonna come in and help 
and then and she may bring a musician every once in a while or two and so on and kind of fill it out and she's going to help us with worship and the worship leaders the worship team has been so incredible about saying we do recognize there's a problem we do recognize that we're having some issues and we would love the help are you kidding yeah we want this so praise god right now again i could go on but i'm going to quit Here's what I want to say. Reset. We're going to reset. We're going to think about things. If you have something that you think needs to be reset, email me. I'm not going to guarantee you we're going to do it. Right? We've got, we, we got a deal here. You're not going to get mad at me if I don't do what you say. But what I can tell you is I'm going to take it incredibly seriously because I believe the Lord is trying to speak and he's trying to say, I want to reset several things. And I just want to build a new foundation. But I want to say something. I'm talking to people who are about 40% of this room, maybe a little less than that now. This is how much it's changed. About 30% of this room. How many people have been here for over 15 years? Raise your hand. That's a little higher than I thought, but that's pretty close. Right now, I'm really talking to you. I'm also talking to people who have been here later than that and don't really know what I'm talking about when I talk about the glory days of Lake Sam. Because you haven't seen it. You've seen good stuff and it's a good church and you're here because it's a good church. But you don't know what some of us have seen. And so I want to leave you with a word. The Israelites were in Israel and God judged them and they moved he moved them, he wiped them out, moved them to Babylon. 70 years later, in a miracle, he brought them back. Well, there was a beautiful temple that was there before, built by Solomon, that had been destroyed. Now when they came back, they started a temple, and it would be the difference between the White House and a log cabin. It just wasn't the people who had seen the former glory were like, this is just not cool. So they wept. The people who hadn't seen the former house said, praise God, there's a temple there. Does anyone remember this house, this temple? This is God speaking to those Israelites. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, be strong, be strong, all you people still left in the land. And I'm saying something right here. If you're here, I want you to pray about whether or not you're supposed to be here. Here's one of the other things Justine said to me that was really key. She said, I heard the Lord uh, saying reset so hard, so strongly, that I started developing a list of people that I was going to go to and ask them, are you in and will you help us build something different and new? And that's this. Be strong, all you people still left the land, and now get to work, for I'm with you, says the Lord, of heaven's armies. Emphasis, heaven's armies. God powerful. My spirit remains among you just as I promised, so do not be afraid. For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. 
Do you remember the temple that got started in that day was then improved by Herod and then Jesus Christ walked in the door. And that's when it was filled with the one whom it worships. But now, listen to this one. This is, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, said the Lord of heaven's armies. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Can I tell you something? I don't have that as a word. That's not a prophetic word. I don't think the Lord is prophesying that he's going to do that. Can I make that clear? Here's what I think he's doing. He's saying, is this what you want? This is what I can do. <laughs> this is who I am. I've done something. It was incredible. I want to do something. It's incredible. What do you want? Right? So I think the key verse in that whole thing becomes this. Now get to work, for I'm with you. <laughs> So I want to say something. I really do think that this is an interesting moment. I, I, I don't know how many of you saw my little tease for the sermon, but I said, this is an extremely important sermon. Where does God have you? And if he has you here, then start looking at it, not as to what has happened that has let things fray a bit on some areas, but start understanding that God is actually doing something different. He's trying to do a reset. Are you in? Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, I love you. I want to thank you for preaching this sermon well. I want to thank you for meeting our hearts. and I want to thank you for casting vision, and I want to thank you for for showing us what's behind the things that we see with our eyes, which is you, your plans. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. And so in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, this family that you have moved in so beautifully comes to you right now and says, in Jesus' holy and precious name, here are we, send us. It's fun to be a part of what you do. It's also difficult. It also asks a lot. But God, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we just come before your throne right now and we say, I do not look back except to see who you are. And then we look forward to walk into the middle of that yet again. Thank you, God. In front of you were two cups. In the lower cup is his body, beautiful body broken for us. God, we recognize that things have become frayed, that we have been broken. So we put our finger in there and we just say, we get it. But we don't, we don't stop at looking at the brokenness. We lift this cup, and on the other side of the cup, we look through the cup to the cross. And we see you up on the cross, healing us.
So in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, we take this cup right now saying, heal us, body, soul, spirit, and church. In Jesus' holy and precious name, heal us. And now in Jesus' magnificent name, we lift up this cup in which is the life, the church, the body, the family that you have. And we say in Jesus' holy and precious name, thank you. And we want it all. We are not stupid. We count the cost. We know it's a tower and that there's things between here and there. But in Jesus' holy and precious name, we lift our cup and we count the cost and we say, I want what you have and only what you have and all of what you have in Jesus' holy and magnificent name. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Bring your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Take together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ushers, could you come forward? I hope you like that as much as I did. <laughs> I tell you, I love it when the Lord comes into a situation and begins to show. So Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we know we're just at the beginning of something beautiful. And in Jesus' holy and precious name, we lift our hands, we lift our hearts, we lift our lives, and we lift our finances to you right now. And we pour them into your kingdom that your kingdom should come and that your will should be done. In Jesus' name.